0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Good afternoon. Fears of a global economic shock from Russia's invasion of Ukraine causing a new surge in oil prices. Just how high can they go? I'm Lin Li Fu. Thanks for joining us on ST Live. Moscow has hit back at the West, warning of huge repercussions if threats to impose a ban on oil imports from Russia go ahead. Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak saying on state television, and I quote, It is obvious that foregoing Russian oil will have catastrophic consequences for the world market. The price surge will be unpredictable, up to $300 per barrel or even more. That's more than double where prices are right now. Russia's reacting to talks between US President Joe Biden and the leaders of France, Germany and the UK on banning Russian oil imports. Reports suggest the U.S. may now act alone after Germany, the biggest buyer of Russia's oil, rejected plans to ban energy imports. Well, Drivers are definitely feeling the impact of higher fuel prices as concern grows that the Ukraine crisis could disrupt supplies. Russia is the world's third-largest oil producer behind the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, but it is the biggest exporter to global markets. In the U.S., a gallon of regular gasoline has surpassed $4 per gallon for the first time since 2008. And here in Singapore, the most popular grade of petrol 95 octane reached the $3 mark on Monday. And for more on the impact of the soaring oil prices, Christoph Ruhl, a leading U.S.-based economist, joins us now. Christoph, thank you very much for joining us from Houston. Price of crude continues to surge despite the release of global strategic reserves coordinated by U.S. President Joe Biden just days ago. Why is this so?
1: Good day to you. I think in order to understand what happens in crude and later also in gas prices, one has to step back a little bit before the invasion. When we had what matters in this respect is the nature of the sanctions, when we had the discussions of which sanctions to impose everybody, I think, uh, proceeded under the assumption that this would like to be a two pronged pincer movement, that we would have sanctions isolating Russia from the financial sector and sanctions limiting its ability to export commodities, including oil and gas. When the invasion actually happened, this is not how it turned out to be. What happened instead was very heavy, much more heavy than expected, sanctions on the financial sector and zero sanctions on commodities and oil and gas exports. However, the financial sanction- sector sanctions included freezing the assets of the National Bank of Russia. And that took sort of the ammunition away from Fortress Russia. All this preparation so was for naught because the reserves were gone. Now, two things are the implications of that. In the long term, we will see pressure on oil prices and on gas prices and on commodity prices downwards, as absurd as this may sound right now. And the reason is that Russia doesn't have the financial reserves anymore, so they have to sell them. They have to sell them to the few countries willing to take them, and uh, they will be pressured into accepting lower prices for it. In the short term, however, precisely because the financial sectors were so massive, people, traders and dealers in oil were afraid to touch anything which came from Russia with a five-foot flagpole, so to speak. You couldn't get uh, corresponding banks anymore. Banks would not advance capital. It was very difficult to get letters of credit. It was almost impossible to injure the cargos. And so Russian oil was not bought anymore and it's now trading today at a discount of 20%. It's 20% cheaper than the global benchmark because of this uh, worry of traders to touching it. And uh, what that means is that There's a lot of dislocation in global markets as people struggle to replace it. And that causes these short-term price spikes. However, what we know is that markets are exceptionally good and smoothing the transition from one regulatory or sanctions regime to another. And this is the middle of the process we are in. We should expect this to be concluded and we should expect prices not to spike endlessly. And this expectation in turn has caused the U.S. now to say, "Okay, maybe we can unilaterally not import Russian oil. And they can do that because they have, uh, yeah.
0: Christoph, sorry to interrupt you there. What about OPEC? How willing are they to ramp up crude oil production?
1: I was just coming to that point. So when the U.S. now saying we should either impose sanctions finally on energy on oil or we should have a moratorium and boycott it by ourselves, what is the basis for that? Number one, oil, different from gas, has a lot of spare capacity. And their spare capacity is not only in, in, countries which have their own sanctions like Iran or Venezuela. Most of it sits in OPEC countries, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Kuwait. And you can expect the UA, uh, the, the U.S. to lean on these countries, uh, and ask them to release more oil because they have been we're talking about stability for a long time, but it was really a one way street up. Number two. The U.S. and the West has a strategic petroleum reserve with 1.5 billion barrels of oil. With that, they could increase global oil supply by 1 million barrels per day for 1,500 days. So they could uh, bring that to bear. And uh, number three, there is, a, in the long term, no increase in demand because of this redirection, because whatever the U.S. won't buy, somebody else will have to buy. But as I said, long term, there will be pressure on oil prices. All of that leads the U.S., which is semi-independent because they don't, uh, they are, have a balanced uh, trade in oil, they don't export much, they don't import much, uh, leads, leads the U.S. to say, okay, we can uh, forego this Russian oil and that will make it more difficult for Russia to deal with the situation. The jury's out. It's in the political discussion. It's 50-50. I believe that probably tomorrow we will see the U.S. making a decision that they boycott Russian oil. And again, the background is that prices will not Rise forever. They will be temporarily spiking, but it's not going to be a fundamental problem for the economy. That's the third point here. We know that oil prices are always compared in nominal terms. It's a big mistake of many in the press saying $100 oil today are not what $100 oil were 10 or 20 years ago. We have to adjust for inflation. We have to adjust for these massive efficiency improvements with which we use oil. And if you take, for example, the high price period between 2011 and 2013, In today's terms, the oil price then was $140. No recession was caused. And I think that all indicates that the U.S., knowing that, will be willing to take the gamble and to forego imports from Russia. And just as a footnote, I don't want to give anybody bad intentions, but of course President Biden has a political problem. He needs to justify somehow to the American electorate, which has elections in the fall, midterm elections, why gasoline prices uh, at gas stations for driving are so high. It's a very sensitive issues in the U.S. Now he can say, okay, it's all about the Ukraine. We are doing the right thing. We don't have the U.S., uh, the the Russian oil imports anymore. That drives prices up. And people will say, at least we understand it. And it's probably for a just cause. It deflects a lot of political heat from him anyway. But on the other hand, it is the right thing to do. And so uh, we should expect it to happen.
0: Coming back to the supply, the condition of the Ukraine gas pipelines through which uh, Europe gets its supply, what do you know about it? And as it is, Russia is already threatening to turn off gas supply to Germany. So how plausible is the threat of Russia doing so to Western Europe?
1: This is a natural gas. Markets is a very different issue from what we see in oil markets. Uh, When you look at the only, there's no spare capacity in that system. It's already stretched it's a globalizing system so we used to have natural gas only as a pipeline fuel with one producer one consumer there's no market there was no market in between so they had to engage in long term contracts it was a pretty dull and boring market for a long time until lng uh, was entering the picture this is liquefied natural gas which now can be shipped by tankers and these tankers pretty much like oil tankers are flexible where they can they go on the atlantic and then they get a notification that the price of gas has increased Two cents in Dublin versus Rotterdam, and they change course. So this is a market which calls for spot prices, which is volatile, which needs to be fast in order to adjust efficiently, very much like the global oil markets. And the very high gas prices even before Ukraine happened are the birth pangs of a developing global gas markets. Last year was the first year in which interregional shipments from LNG were larger than pipeline transport. That's important background because it means the gas prices had started to behave volatile even before. Now, in this situation, Russia exports gas to Western Europe, but from the Russian point of view, if they stop these exports, the gas is stranded. Why? Because it's produced in the Western part of Siberia, and there's no pipeline through Siberia, so they cannot ship it from Western Europe instead to Asia. There's no connection. And that will prevent them needing the money from stopping these gas exports. On the other side, on the side of the importer, Europe could probably scrape by this winter, But they would have to really lower their thermostats and they would have to have political backing because a lot of cargoes which have been contracted into Asia would have to be redesignated to Europe, breaking these contracts, which is only possible with a sort of global political agreement. And in addition, they would need all the coal and all the nuclear power they have. And it would work for one winter, but then in the summer... Uh, storage would be so low that they would have trouble filling the storage before the next winter, and so the problem would only be postponed. And this is why I believe that the importer, Europe, also will not stop importing gas. So different from oil markets where we have the U.S. saying we go it alone, we boycott the oil imports, and they can do that. In the natural gas markets, both Russia has no incentive to stop the exports and the European Union has no incentive to stop the imports. The wild card is that The situation in the Ukraine is now so stuck that uh, there's no obvious way out. And if you, as they say in Arabia, if you push a cat into a corner too hard, it will jump on you, no matter how big you are. So in the case of Russia, if they really feel they have nothing to lose, they may cut something in an irrational way, just like this whole invasion was pretty irrational.
0: Okay, I understand that you're speaking at a major energy conference in Houston. You're invited to speak there, where many of the world's biggest energy leaders are gathering. What are the key concerns being discussed?
1: The key concerns are very similar to what you have raised. So what is going to happen to oil prices? What is going to happen to energy markets? And in the background, of course, what is the way out? It seems to be that nobody, not Russia, not China, not the US, not the Europeans, nobody, has a face-saving way out, either for himself or for the other party. And that's, of course, a dangerous situation. With respect to energy markets, I think slowly, slowly, the chips fall into place and people understand that they have to look through the current fog, the fog of war, so to speak, and that they will see where this ends is in a very, very poor position for Russia. Russia will be boxed in. They will have to rely on China for currency swaps, for financial support. They will have to... Uh, in turn, agree to deliver energy to China at discounted prices, just like right now. And they will lose the cooperation with OPEC if they're unlucky, because OPEC will also be pressured into uh, supporting oil supplies to the world. And, uh, you know, sanctions by themselves will not solve the problem. Sanctions, to my knowledge, have never changed a government anywhere in the world. But they have always succeeded to making the people poorer. And this is what's going to be in store for Russia. They will have a severe recession. They will have high inflation. They have no longer the means to either threaten the world with energy boycotts or to manipulate their currency to remain strong. So it's kind of a really a picture where at the moment everybody loses.
0: Thank you very much for your insights, Christoph. Appreciate your time with us. Christoph Ruhl, You're very economist Thanks at Columbia me. University's Center on Global Energy Policy.